Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! going on Pistons fans welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia here with you this week we've got really fun stuff I think to get into some of uh, the topics especially this first one that I think big big picture long-term perspective I love those kind of conversations I'm excited to get into it uh, with Jasper today but but first off Jasper how are we doing oh I'm doing great Aaron I'm so excited for this podcast uh, you know, you kind of hinted at it, but I'll spoil the surprise. That's right, folks. We are going to be going through all of our old tweets from 2010. We are going to give them to you here live. Uh, you're going to really, really hate this podcast, folks. So stay tuned. Uh, we're going to have some really awful stuff coming up for you soon. Oh, man. Aaron, Aaron said some stuff back in when he was five, and I can't wait to not break it down. So yeah, let's go. Very Drummond tweets from 2005. Oh, <laughs> they're very controversial. They're very controversial. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's get into uh, our first topic. Actually, before we do that, we should we should definitely talk about uh, our sponsors, Bet Online. As always, they're back supporting us as they do every week. And Bet Online uh, continues to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's. Early NFL futures. Hey, we betting Lions over five and a half wins. I sure as hell won't be, or maybe it's six and a half. Either way, I won't be. Uh, with training camp right around the corner, Bet Online has opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, the Super Bowl. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV, B L E A V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet Online where the game starts. I'll tell you what, talking about football, I am so ready to see football on my screen. And I don't know how big of a football guy you are. I feel like we've talked about it before. I love football. The only thing that I don't like is the weather that comes with it. It signifies the change <laughs> of the season. I am a summer guy. I'll take the heat over the cold every day of the week, twice on Sunday. But man, just seeing some of this stuff come out with football, teams reporting uh, to training camp. I was Kyler Murray signed his extension with Arizona. Uh, earlier today now we're talking about uh football with the betting odds here on on the show i am so ready for football to come back oh me too aaron i look i'm a i'm a summer guy too it's 95 degrees out here in new york city today i have been spending it all in the sun reading um so for me i love it too that's the only thing i don't like about football as well is the weather especially when you're playing football you ever get hit in those Michigan winters, buddy, it hurts, especially when you stink at football like I did when I was in high school and middle <laughs> school. So yeah, that was the only thing I didn't, I didn't really care for, but I do love it. And I'm definitely ready to get back into betting because I'm going to be real, Aaron, baseball betting, hockey betting, 
basketball betting even to a certain extent it doesn't do it for me quite like the nfl does um but we do have a little something to talk not just nfl betting odds and not just nfl over-unders the pistons season win total over under came out today aaron it was set at 27 and a half wins i'm interested to hear what you have to say on this do you think this is too high you think it's just low or well, are we are we in the Goldilocks zone here? Is it just right? This is a great kind of great way to get into our first topic because I remember having this the same discussion last year when yep. line was twenty three and a half, and uh, we were both like, "Hey, this is an easy over Pistons over twenty three and a half is the lock of the century." And we- and Mike too. Let's not let him off. That's true. Like the over. That's true. We all said the over was a very safe play at 23 and a half wins. And and what did the Pistons do? Well, they won 23 games. So I don't want to get overzealous. Uh, I feel like 27 and a half is a good line. I mean, in my opinion, you know, just looking at the roster, I feel like it should be, you know, four or five wins better than it was last season. Um, but let's not get it twisted. The Eastern Conference didn't get worse. I think it's gotten better, and heck, it might continue to get better if if Donovan Mitchell gets traded to the New York Knicks. I mean, yeah. uh, the Pistons, you know, obviously they're they're going to play these these Eastern Conference teams more than they're going to play the Western Conference teams. And you look at the the depth and the talent in the East. I mean, hell, even these teams that didn't make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference last year. Like the Pistons, you know, they improved. I don't know if any team in the Eastern Conference really got worse. Like, I look at a team like the Orlando Magic, who obviously the Pistons struggled with last year, but they're going to be even better this year. I mean, they have some legitimate good players, and, and they're in the same kind of situation as Detroit, where they're they're not probably good enough to get into the playoffs yet, but they're one of those teams that is, is going to be better next year because – they added another high lottery pick. They have a bunch of young players on the roster that are there. There's going to be internal growth with, I mean, it's going to be tough for the Pistons every single night. I mean, what teams in the East got worse outside of Indiana. And I mean, probably Charlotte as well. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, everyone else either improved or is probably, you know, in the same kind of tier as they were. It's not going to be easy for Detroit to just come out and, and, and win 10 more games this year. I think that 27 and a half line, I mean, hey, Vegas knows what they're doing. They they know, I, I don't know how they know it, but they know what they're doing. So uh, it's not easy for me to come out and say, oh, yeah, 20, over 27 and a half, lock it in. Uh, I think they could do it, but I'm also not convinced that they do it. This is still a team that uh, they still have some issues on this roster that they're going to have to figure out, particularly uh, on the wings at the three, four spot between depth, who's going to start for them uh, at the four, at the five. Uh, this team is, is, you know, not a perfect team. And I guess that's why their line is still only at 27 and a half. It feels like Detroit should be over that, but I'm not convinced that uh, they're going to be with how the Eastern conference has improved and, and parity has really uh, become a bigger story in the NBA overall. Yeah, Aaron, I don't even think it's just the East. I think it's pretty much every team in the NBA. Uh, there's only a, 
what, a handful of teams this offseason that got worse. I would say for me, I think Charlotte got worse. I think you're right. Indiana got worse. Um, I think probably the man, I mean, like really, who else really got worse? Utah got worse. Of Utah course. and San Antonio. Utah and San Antonio. But, That's really, but really, really other than that, who got worse? I think every team probably got better. You can even look at last year's championship team, the Golden State Warriors. They have now James Wiseman coming back. They have Jonathan Kuminga. Like, they got better too. Minnesota got better. Uh, in the East, I look at it, the only teams I can even see being in the same stratosphere of badness as the Pistons are probably Washington, Orlando, Indiana, and... I really struggle to say Charlotte. I still think Charlotte, even without Miles Bridges, is a, is a superior team to Detroit. There's maybe three, there's three, maybe four teams that I could even see the Pistons finishing ahead of in the East. And that would put them at 11. And for me, I think that is an improvement, obviously. I also think that that's very, it's difficult to say that that's going to happen because of those teams, I think most of those teams have more talent than Detroit does up and down the roster. And I think that they have more set lineups than Detroit does. I don't think we can overlook the fact that the Pistons have so many things to figure out at the beginning of this season. Like that takes time. We saw it last year. And with the way the schedule might shake out, we don't know what the regular season schedule is yet. We will know soon. But last year, if you remember, Aaron, they got absolutely mollywhopped at the beginning of the season with the schedule. They really had no chance from day one. So if you get something else like that, I mean, literally, Aaron, here was their, their schedule to begin last year. Chicago, Chicago, Atlanta, Philly, Orlando, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly, Brooklyn. Then you had Houston, Cleveland, Toronto. Like, it was brutal. They had a brutal stretch. And if you get something like that again this year, they could so easily start off with, like, a three and 16 record. Like it's nobody's business. And then the season's over. Then you're just basically working towards next year. So yeah, I think that, you know, we also can't overlook that with teams getting better. There's also a chance that they're going to overlook the Pistons. We've seen it the last couple of years, the second half of last season, the Pistons played much, much better because a lot of the good teams were resting. Their guys were not taking it quite as seriously because they were going to the playoffs and it happened a year before. We saw it so many times where the Pistons would get smacked by these mediocre teams and would play the good teams incredibly close. So I think that there's a chance that that could help them out a little bit. Yes, there's more talent on the roster overall this year. Yes, they should be a better team. But if everyone else is better too, I don't necessarily see how you're a lock to win five, six more games than you did last year. Um, you know, I, I also hesitate to say that they're not going to win 28 games, not going to win 27 games because last year we overestimated. And I think that it's just human nature when you're wrong on that sense to kind of overcorrect in the other direction. So I think the schedule is going to play a really big part of this. If they can start off with an easier schedule, that's going to help them a lot. If they can just pick up a couple early wins, get a little bit of confidence while they're figuring out the rotations, while they're figuring out play styles, while they're figuring out whose role is what I think that that will bring them a, a lot more uh, in terms of being able to win games earlier on in the season, which will help them then win more games later on in the season. But yeah, I'm with you, Aaron. I think that this is a pretty 
perfectly placed line. I feel personally very, very hesitant to bet on, on either way because, frankly, I could really see them doing the same thing they did last year and hitting right on 27. On the flip side, you know, I don't want to discredit Detroit fully. I mean, obviously, when you have a talent like Kate Cunningham, uh, there's at least an expectation that mm-hmm. he's go- he's kind of changing the the future outlook of this team. Like, if he takes that that leap and is an all star level player, oh, that changes everything here. Like, that changes the trajectory of Detroit because not only do you have the the expected leap of Kate Cunningham, who is a guy that is being ranked in the you know the top five or five or six guys to win uh, the NBA's most improved player of the year award, which I think this is just a, a general thing, but I don't feel like first year guy or second year guy should really be considered for that award. I think it should, you know, be guys that have been in the league for at least a couple of years by now, but that's a whole nother topic for another day. Uh, but he's a guy that's being considered uh, for most improved player of the year award, at least in terms of betting odds. You have other guys that are expected to take leaps. Like a lot of people are very, very high on what Sadiq Bay can be. You have Isaiah Stewart as well. What what type of impact can Jaden Ivey make uh, as a rookie? What type of impact do a couple veterans that can come in and play minutes for you, a guy like Alec Burks, who we're going to talk about later, uh, as well as Nerlens Noel, you know, those guys are, are veterans. They know what they're doing. They're going to be able to come in day one uh, and contribute to this team. You saw, obviously how Detroit got better with Marvin Bagley uh, on the floor last year, having guys that that can be a factor at the rim, uh, having him for a full season. How does, how does that uh, improve Detroit's outlook? So I don't want to totally discredit them. Even if they didn't make a ton of uh, ton of moves outside of the roster from last season to get better, the the potential for internal development, especially with uh, a franchise level player like Kate Cunningham could definitely shift this entire conversation uh, you know, depending how he looks at the start of, of next season and what type of leap he really has made. Um, but I, yeah, I think that's a, a pretty fair line because you're playing uh, with a bunch of different questions. You're playing with a bunch of different scenarios. There's also the injury bug, which was a major factor for Detroit last year in terms of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, costing them them games and big minutes from some of their key players. Uh, so I, I think 27 and a half, you know, Vegas knows what they're doing. That's a tough line. I could I can see scenarios where Detroit blows that out of the water, and I can also see a near scenario where they win 25 games this year because the rest of the league got better, just like uh, they did. It's just a beast of division, too, man. Like Chicago's still going to be really good. Cleveland should also get better. Milwaukee's going to be at full strength. That's a beast, too, man. You got to play all those teams a bunch of times, like. That's hard. That's really hard to get through. Even if you are playing Indiana, like Indiana still got players, dude. They, they got guys on that team. Uh, they arguably have more all-star caliber players than the Pistons do as of right now, both with Tyrese Halliburton and with, with um, uh, Miles Turner. So yeah, I don't, I think you do absolutely have to take that into account though. A leap from Cade Cunningham is going to play a huge role. And if Jaden Ivey can come in and overperform as a rookie as well, I think if you have an explosive backcourt like that, look, the way that the NBA works, it's kind of simple. Like, you win in the wings overall, but in the regular season, if you're winning games, it's going to come from your backcourt. So if that backcourt can be explosive, if Kate Cunningham can be like a 22-6-6 and kind of guy and Jaden Ivey can come in and give you – 15, four and four, 
like, yeah, that changes things. That changes things big time for you. Yeah. But, I mean, they were we, playing. We, sorry, were playing with Corey Joseph and Killian Hayes as their, their guards next to Kate Cunningham last year, and then spent, you know, half the season without Jeremy Grant. Uh, they, they added some, some guys that should be on the court most games of the season and Alec Burks and, and Nerlens Noel, like in theory, just looking at the roster, this is a team that, that should be wins better compared to last year's team. I, I think you're probably right. I guess for me, I look at them being more like a 26, 25, 26 win team more so than like a 30 win team as of right now. Just, just because, like I said, I think that's a really hard division. I think they have a lot of questions. They do lack shooting still, and that's going to hurt. And the NBA in general is just better than it was last year, which is great as a basketball fan, but a little tough for you as a Pistons fan. But let's be clear. I don't think either of us are saying they're going to take a step back. I don't think either of us are saying they're not going to improve. I think we're both pretty in lockstep here that – even if the wins don't show up maybe this year, even if they're not breaking the 30-win barrier this season, it's going to come really soon. And the improvement absolutely should be there, both from an individual player perspective in terms of Killian Hayes, Kate Cunningham, Sadiq Bey, and as a team. Uh, because they did absolutely add better role players. They added more talent in the top of the draft and Jalen Duran and Jaden Ivey. So they are putting themselves into a position to overachieve. I'm not, I have my questions about them going over 27 and a half wins, but if they do, I'm not going to be surprised. Yeah. The Pistons are an interesting story. And I think it's, it's, it's funny that we, as, as the people who, you know, watch them on a nightly base, baselet basis, criticize and analyze them on a nightly basis are maybe coming off a little bit more pessimistic even if that's not necessarily our intent here, mm-hmm. because some of the, you know, big dogs in the media space are actually giving Detroit a lot of credit right now in the way that they're building their team. Uh, there was a story published uh, from ESPN the other day, really talking up Detroit, specifically uh, the pair of guys that they drafted uh, in this year's NBA draft and Jaden Ivey uh, and Jalen Duran. And, and really talking about the future of this team w- between those two, Kate Cunningham, uh, Isaiah Stewart, and Sadiq Bey. Uh, there was just some really interesting stuff in there, uh, provided some perspective from at least one other Eastern Conference uh, executive. Uh, here's a quote from the ESPN article. I still think they might be a year away, the Eastern Conference executive said. They're going to play hard. Dwayne Casey's teams play hard. It's just a matter of youth. It'll be a part of their growing pains, but it'll be le- worth it in the long term. They're going to be one of the more fun teams to watch. Uh, there was some more talk about how the Pistons came away with uh, the most or the two most athletic players in the draft, and that overall they're building a foundation that presents itself as a very strong core moving forward. There was another quote from J.J. Redick on uh, his podcast, Old Man in the Three. I'll read you this quote here. Obviously, Cade, but Sadiq, Jaden Ivey looked great in summer league, and Isaiah Stewart I'm a big fan of. I think in two or three years, the Pistons will be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. So I think at least the, the, the general fan base around Detroit sees these types uh, uh, of quotes, and 
obviously it's going to excite, excite you as a fan. Like you're going to be, you're going to like seeing national guys talking about your team in a positive light. And I don't know why that's necessarily such a, a big deal, the fan bases, but it is. And it, it adds to an increase in expectations. More people are going to be expecting good things out of, of the Pistons this year. They're expecting Detroit to take a leap. And these types of quotes, even though they directly say it might take another year, in two or three years, they'll be one of these teams. It's going to lead to higher expectations for this upcoming season as well. And I, I think both of us are on the same page here that people are going to need the, to temper their expectations with this team. Like Aaron, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you know what I was going to say? You know why? And this is exactly why. I'm glad you say this because this is why I've had the attitude I have had around the Pistons where I'm trying to kind of push back against some of these expectations, not just for the team as a whole, but for players like Sadiq Bey. Um, I think that you look at an example. There's a perfect example. Actually, this year's Tigers team. That was a team that last year started off horribly, just like the Pistons, finished well down the stretch, just like the Pistons, had some exciting young players coming into this season in Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, just like the Pistons do. They made some good, not big-time home run swing kind of off-season free agent signings and, and deals. They made some smart, smaller deals for, for players that could instantly fit into the team. So expectations started skyrocketing. And now you look at this team, they stink, and everyone hates them. I hate them. I can't stand this Tigers team. I cannot stand watching them. They make me upset. And I worry that if, if Pistons fans especially start buying into the hype a little bit too much, if they start making those expectations a little too high, that they're going to have the same thing that Tigers fans had this year where they're going to be so disappointed when the team doesn't perform to a playoff level or even, you know, a, a middle of the pack level. I think that that is a real possibility and I don't want that to happen with this Pistons team. I want people to keep their expectations at the right level to see that the franchise is going in the right direction, that the players, the talent are coming in, that the front office is in place, that there is an, there's a clear upward trajectory, and, and, I, and I love having background music for while I'm saying this because it's, it's just adding to the drama. Um, no, really, like, I really think that that is something that Pistons fans have to be realistic about. Just because they don't win 35 games this year doesn't mean the season's a failure. It doesn't mean the front office stinks. It doesn't mean the players are busts. It just means that this process takes time it takes time and i want people to realize that and understand that before they start putting all these expectations on these young players because guess what if you do just like tigers fans this year who are expecting 90 wins out of an insanely flawed roster you're going to be disappointed you're going to be angry and you're going to take out your anger in a way that is not productive as a fan autoplay on espn has to be the worst, most inconvenient thing out there. That's like probably the second time in a month's worth of shows where I've had them up uh, to, you know, read a quote from an article. And like just 15 minutes after I've had it up, it decides to play the video you, attached to the but, article. But you know what, Aaron? It doesn't matter because I powered through it because I'm a professional. 
Thank right? you. Thank you. But I, I, I am, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. There's go, like, go ahead. Sorry, but just to finish, like, think about it like this, Aaron, if, if Tigers fans went into this season, looking at the roster and saying, Hey, Eduardo Rodriguez is our number one starter. That guy's a number three starter. He's not a number one starter. This team's going to win 75 ish games. Do you think they would be as upset right now as they are? Instead of thinking that they were going to win 85 games. I hear you. I get what you're saying. I, I hear a hundred percent. I think there's obviously a tendency as a, a fan of a team you're, you're going to believe like, it's just, it's in your heart. You want to believe this team is going to, to, to do what you know you want them to do. They're going to be good. They're going to make the playoffs. They're, they're going to win more games. Like you want to believe that it just doesn't always work that way. And, and just because they don't make the playoffs or, or they fall short of the play in, it doesn't mean that there, there wasn't improvement. It, it just, it takes time. Not every team. Uh, and I, I think, you know, you look at the Memphis Grizzlies, the, the Boston Celtics uh, of the recent years, not every team makes that, that type of leap. And, and Detroit doesn't have that same high end level talent that those two teams did. Uh, right. And, and, and also to be fair, like a team like Boston had guys like Al Horford there who, who were helping. They had Gordon Hayward. They had Marcus Morris. Like the Pistons have, Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel, like nice role players, but they're not on the same caliber of those guys. And, and the Grizzlies, like John Morant is a higher end talent than anyone on the Pistons roster right now. Jaron Jackson a, as the number two guy is better than any, any of the number two guys that could be of the Detroit Pistons on their roster right now. Like they just had more talent. Detroit's not there. Like a lot of people, it's a conversation we've, we've had before. A lot of people feel, you know, that 2020 uh, draft for Detroit, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, those guys are really part of Detroit's core. And they are right now. They are. But they're almost overrated in a sense uh, by the people, you know, the fans. Like, Sadiq Bay is a, is a good player. But this th- these comparisons to, oh, how this guy's going to be an all-star. Like, he's, like, he's going to be Kate Cunningham's Chris Middleton. Like, we need to slow down because him and Stewart have some very real flaws that they haven't, con- at least not to me, and I'm sure to you, they haven't convinced me that that those are going to just go away. Like, we're two years in now at, with Sadiq Bey at, at 23 years old or whatever, 22, 23, and he's not a threat attacking the rim. You know, he is still an outside shooter. He's maybe shown some flashes here or there, but he's not a guy that's going to put the ball on the floor, break down the defense, get to the rim, and score. He is a shooter still, right? And Isaiah Stewart, like, the shooting in summer league is nice. Let's see it in an NBA season over 82 games. Let's not see it in a, a seven-game stretch at the end of the of a losing season and in two, three games of summer league and consider his deficiencies fixed. Like these are guys that have to take legitimate leaps to be the players that you think they they can be on a winning team. Yeah. And that goes for Jaden Ivey too. Like Jaden Ivey's not gonna walk in day one. And, and be ready to give you the, the 20 points and six rebounds and six assists a night that you may want him or expect him to be able to. It just doesn't work like that, especially for guards in the NBA. I mean, look at recent guards that get drafted in the league. Darius Garland's a great example. His first year in the league was downright abysmal. His second year, marginally improved. His big leap came in his third season at 22. It takes time for players. 
it doesn't it's not it's not linear improvement you you're gonna see stretches in a rookie season and a second year and a third year where players look like they're taking the next step or players look like they're taking the leap and then they have another and then they go right back down and they have a five game stretch where they're just not good and that's what's going to happen with the pistons overall this year they're too young they're too inexperienced to just go from a 23 win team to a, a 40 win team to a 500 ball club competing for a play-in spot it's just they did they just didn't make enough moves to, to make that possible they didn't go and add any any all-stars even with internal development that would be incredibly difficult like even cleveland like they brought in Jarrett allen they brought in in mid-year Karis LeVert, even though that didn't really go as as strong for them as they maybe would have hoped. They got the leap from Darius Garland. They added a top-tier rookie in Evan Mobley, who just like Keith Cunningham and Scotty Barnes, had a case to be the rookie of the year. They had Kevin Love playing as a six-man-of-the-year type level player. They had a lot of other talent. The Pistons just don't have that yet, and relying on internal growth predominantly, primarily, they're just not going to see that 17-win improvement to take the leap that I think some some people are expecting and some people are going to really get upset about when it doesn't happen because it's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think you and I are in agreement. We have the same kind of outlook on this team that J.J. Redick does, which is they're not there yet, but they're going to get there. And everything is in place for them to succeed. Not this year. Maybe not even next year, but it's going to happen. The talent is coming and they're going to still have money for free agents next year. They're probably still going to get another top seven pick in next year's draft, which is going to put them in position to draft a, an all-star talent level small forward, which is something that they still, in my opinion, desperately need i don't think sadiq bay is enough at the forward position and you see that with all the contending teams they have a lot of guys on the wings i said it earlier in the podcast you win in the wings period that's where you win championships in the nba um so for me i look at it yeah they're not there yet i'm going to keep my expectations realistic i'm going to temper them for now i'm not expecting a huge leap from all these young players right now but absolutely, Aaron, I think we're in agreement. We are very optimistic about this team long-term. It just might not happen this year. And I think fans need to be realistic about that. Yeah, they are, in my opinion, they're at least an all-star level player away from, from earning that right to be considered a, a, a potential playoff caliber team. I just Oh, yeah. Even, not- if, even if Cade's an all-star this year, I, I don't <laughs> – every team's got an all-star right. level yeah, player on their, on their squad. On top of Literally. Everyone does. Everyone does. So I don't necessarily see why that would instantly vault them into 40 wins. I mean, shoot, look at Charlotte. Charlotte's going to be at the bottom of the standings with Detroit this year. And they have LaMelo Ball. Like, (laughs) LaMelo was an all-star last year. So, yeah, even if Kate does take that leap, even if Sadiq Bey takes a small leap, even if Isaiah Stewart takes a small leap, even if Jaden Ivey overperforms, I still think breaking 30 wins is going to be a tough task for this team this year. Can it happen? Yes. Am I expecting it? No. And I think fans need to have that same kind of, out, kind of outlook on this season. Just because it doesn't happen this year doesn't mean it's not happening. 
just because we're not optimistic about this season doesn't mean we're not optimistic about the future. All right, let's move on now. Um, I like the big picture conversations. Those are always really intriguing to me. Let's get into a little bit more uh, of a, a niche topic, but a very important topic for this upcoming season. And that's the debate of the starting guards. You know, Kate Cunningham's going to be starting for the Pistons, but there's two guys that could be starting alongside him, I feel. And that's the number four pick in the draft, Jaden Ivey. And that's Alec Burks, who the Pistons just traded for a month ago. There are people that are going to say Alec Burks should start because he's a veteran. Look at the experience he has in the league. Look at the shooting he's going to provide for you on the floor. There are people that are going to say, you just drafted a 20-year-old with the fourth pick. He is a, a, the arguably a top two, three piece in terms of building your core out for the future. Why would you not start him? It's going to be a, an interesting debate. I don't know what way Dwayne Casey's leaning right now. I know how I feel about the situation. Jasper, I know you've talked a little bit about Alec Burks potentially starting. I'll let you take over from here. Yeah, absolutely. Aaron, look, I don't think we can have this whole conversation about how we're not super excited about the Pistons potentially breaking 30 wins this year and looking towards the future and then come out here and say, yeah, we should start Alec Burks. That doesn't really uh, work for me. I definitely think Burks should be coming off the bench. And for reasons that I've broken down on this podcast before, I think his ability to handle the ball, I think his ability to shoot, and I think his ability to be a primary scorer on bench units is absolutely something the Pistons not only need, but like absolutely have been lacking for the last few, last year. They had it with Derrick Rose. And those bench units were successful at times. But I think with Burks, you can spread the ball on a little bit more and he can actually shoot and play off ball in a way that Derrick Rose really couldn't. So I look at this, this backup unit. I think about something like Killian Hayes, Alec Burks, um, and then you have Marvin Bagley in the front court. You can figure out your, your other two starters, you know, either which way you want to. Maybe it's Isaiah Livers. Maybe it's, um, you know, maybe they do something like Kelly Olynyk out there with Bagley as well, because Kelly Olynyk can shoot. There's a lot of different things that they could do from that perspective. But I think having those three guys on your second unit makes a lot of sense because it gives you a shooting threat with Alec Burks, which Killian Hayes and Marvin Bagley have not proven to be so uh, throughout their career so far. I think it also gives you the ability to take a little bit of pressure off of Killian Hayes. And I think it also gives you the ability to stagger your lineups a little bit better. Um, as for Jaden Ivey, if we're talking about from a starting perspective, absolutely. Look, if you don't think this is like a playoff or even play in contending team, I don't really see why you wouldn't give the duo of Ivy and Kate Cunningham as much time during this regular season to figure it out between the two of them to gel, to create that partnership. I just, for me, if that's your long-term goal, why not start now? You're not in a position to contend. So why even bother with putting somebody like Alec Burks out there in the starting lineup who's going to take the ball away from Cade Cunningham, who's going to take the ball away from Isaiah Stewart, from whoever else is in that starting lineup? Um, yeah, I think for me, it's, it's very obviously, in my opinion, should be Burks on the bench. It just makes sense, both from a rostered perspective in the short term and a, a, a roster perspective in the long term. It, your lineups are better that way, in my opinion. So 
for me, that's how I feel. Aaron, I'm interested to see how you think about this. Um, I, I'm assuming you're kind of in the same boat I am, but I don't know. Look, to be frank, it would be asinine if Jaden Ivey isn't starting day one. This is not a team that's going to be a playoff team this year. We just spent 25 minutes talking about it. In no realm should they be setting aside immediately developing their their backcourt of the future to play 30-year-old Alec Burks in your starting lineup. There's just not a world where that that makes sense. You have a, a dynamic between Cunningham and Ivy that should benefit your team day one, even with Ivy being a rookie, even with him going to have to go through the growing pains of being a rookie guard in the NBA. That con- that style of play that contradicts Cunningham but will work to Detroit's benefit is so important. Having a guy like Cunningham, who's the methodical ball handler, doesn't beat the defense with his speed or athleticism, but lulls them to sleep, makes tough shots over defenders, needles a pass to the open cutter, finds the open big on a lob off a pick and roll, and then having – Jaden Ivey, who's going to just out-athletic the other other guard's defender between his speed, his ability to jump at the rim, his ability to take contact and score through it, score against it, just beating guys to the ball, beating guys to the rim, beating guys down the floor. That dynamic is going to be so important for the Pistons next year and for the next however many years that those two guys share the backcourt together. And that's not to take away from Alec Burks because I really like that trade for Detroit with New York because of Alec Burks. Like Nerlens Noel is going to play minutes for Detroit and that's fine. Like he's going to do some nice things. I think Detroit's going to benefit from having uh, an able-bodied veteran big in the rotation. But Alec Burks was the real get of that trade. A guy that's a 38% career three-point shooter was a f- almost 42% three-point shooter, uh, a couple of years ago, over 40% again last year, you're talking about a guy that really brings what this team is still lacking in terms of, of shooting and scoring, but he brings some of that and he can help quell some of those issues for Detroit, but it's going to be off the bench. And he's a guy that, Hey, look, if, if, if Ivy or Cunningham or Sadiq Bay has to miss a game or has to miss some games, like, yeah, Alec Burke should be that first guy that, that, they could step in for them and, and fill that role in the starting lineup because he's going to provide, he's going to score and bring value to Detroit, but it shouldn't be at the expense of the 20 year old rookie who has been talked about and hyped up as the, the guy next to Kate Cunningham as that backcourt of the future that, that people are talking about as potentially being, you know, the next great backcourt. Oh, for years it was, you know, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, John Wall, Bradley Beal. The Pistons have a duo that can be like that in two, three seasons. And it wouldn't make any sense to bring Jaden Ivey off the bench, especially because I feel like the fit alongside Killian Hayes is is certainly a bit more difficult to, to comprehend and to, to hash out. I feel like it would be easier for both Ivey and Burks and Hayes, like I feel like there's just benefits to the to pairing Cunningham with Ivy and Hayes with Burks. Burks provides shooting alongside Killing Hayes, 
another ball handler. Not that Ivy obviously can't handle the basketball as well, but he's not as much of a shooter. He's not going to have as much of that, that pull and the gravity of the defense that a guy like Burks can bring to the table. And for Cunningham, as I already said, having that guy that contradicts your slower style of pace uh, that can just burst down the court and gives Detroit another element in transition, just gives them another element to their offense. It was a team that, yes, they lacked a lot of shooting last year, but they lacked a whole lot of athleticism as well. Ivy certainly changes that. And it would just be insane to me that for a team destined to be a lottery team, destined to be a top or a bottom, you know, eight team in the league, uh, for them to not start the number five pick in the draft and for them to not start this 20-year-old that that's supposed to be uh, their future alongside Kate Cunningham for, for 30-year-old Alec Burks would just be crazy to me. And that's not not even a slight at Alec Burks at all because I am genuinely excited to see him on the court with the Pistons because it's going to – it brings back some of that ability that they had, like you said, with Derrick Rose as a guard that could just shoot a little bit, put the ball on the floor a little bit, score – just overall be a, a bolster to, to, to a team. And I think Alec Burks bring that. So I'm excited about that, but in no world do I think that he should be getting the nod over Jaden Ivy because of being a veteran and all that, like the Pistons are going to be bad. They need to get the young guys on the court together. They need to let them gel, gain experience, build chemistry. And, and, and yeah, it would just be utterly crazy if, if, if Burks is starting over Ivy on opening night. Aaron, the only way Alec Burks makes sense as your starter is if you've never watched Alec Burks play and you've only looked at his basketball reference page. Because, like, if you watched Alec Burks play, you will know that he makes no sense in a starting backcourt next to Kate Cunningham. He makes no sense there. The guy is, and look, I'm with you too. I think he could really help this team in a lot of ways. But, like, he's a ball hog. There, That is not like a new criticism of Alec Burks. Alec Burks likes to have the ball in his hands. And that's another reason why I kind of compared him to Derrick Rose, where Derrick Rose is a starter. If you had like somebody like Kate Cunningham next to him would make zero sense. Cause that's a guy who likes to have the ball in his hands a lot. And Alec Burks is the same way, but Burks is not an explosive athlete. He's very methodical. He uses his ball handling. He uses his understanding of angles. He's great attacking on the baseline. He does a lot of really good things. But those are things that don't make any sense next to Cade Cunningham in the starting lineup. Uh, they don't make sense as, like, you. this is not a guy you want to be having. He, he's a higher usage player. You don't need that in your starting lineup with Sadiq Bey and Cade Cunningham. You just don't. But on the bench, he makes perfect sense. You need a guy who can come in and give you that veteran stability. You need a guy who can come in and calm down the offense. You need a guy who can come in and give you a bucket when your whole backcourt is struggling, especially when you have somebody like Killian Hayes who still needs to prove he can do it. So, Aaron, I might sound crazy. Maybe this is a hot take. I'm not even joking when I say Corey Joseph makes more sense as a starter next to Kate Cunningham this year uh, than Alec Burks does. I'm not even joking. Cause I know, at, I know Corey Joseph will, you know, buzz off every now and then and stand in the corner. Alec Burks is going to demand the ball on his hands. So yeah, for me, I don't, I'm with you. It's nonsense to think that anybody other than Jaden Ivy should be starting in the backcourt next to Kate Cunningham this year. It just, if you, I'm sorry. And I hate to use this, this phrase because it's used by people who don't know what they're talking about a lot. But if you watch the games, you'll know 
that's not a good pairing. Alec Burks and Kate Cunningham is not a good pairing in that backcourt. If we're watching, uh, if we're watching Kate Cunningham and Corey Joseph starting games together for for the Detroit Pistons this upcoming season, I'm gonna be checking out very, very, very early in the year. So don't. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. Wait before before yeah. everybody comments angrily. I don't want Corey Joseph to start. <laughs> Let me make that very clear. I would prefer not to watch Corey Joseph at all this year, if possible. Um, Congrats on like, all the death wishes you're about to get, by the way. I know. But but really, though, but really, though, if I'm really trying to, like, make the best lineups possible, I genuinely do feel like Corey Joseph would make more sense than Alec Burks next to Kate Cunningham. If the rest of your starting lineup is going to be, you know, Sadiq Bay, you know, one of Marvin Bagley or Isaiah Livers and Isaiah Stewart, I just there's just too many mouths to feed otherwise. So it doesn't make sense for me. It really doesn't. And I don't know where this idea that Alec Burks um, could or should be the starter is coming from because he's frankly never really been very successful in that role at any point in his career. He's always been successful coming off of the bench as that primary scorer for the second unit. And believe it or not, actually last year, Alec Burks started the most games he ever has in his entire career, 44 games. And he started 44 games last year. Uh, yeah, and the Knicks stunk. Yeah, and the they Knicks sucked. So that should tell you everything you need to know. Just so you know, over his career, Alec Burks has played 625 games. He's only started 135 of those. So it's ask, not like ask ask Nick fans about Alec Burks passing. Really, go go do that. Like, come on, man. I swear to God, sometimes I, I I don't want to watch the Knicks either, but I have to sometimes. And. I'm just saying you watch like two games of Alec Burks, even when he's with the jazz, it's like, that's, that's not what you need at all. That's not what this team needs in the starting lineup. And it's 100% what they need for their bench unit. So it's, it's nonsensical in my opinion to argue otherwise. One last thing I wanted to mention on the show this week, um, actually earlier today, I didn't actually, I started yesterday, finished it today. I was listening to um, the latest Woj pod, with Steve Clifford, head coach of the, the Charlotte Hornets for what feels like the 15th time. Guess who's Bazak back on the block? Anyway. <laughs> uh, he made a point that I couldn't agree with more uh, talking about summer league. And he was talking about how when he took the job and when he was first getting settled in because he got hired only you know a little bit before summer league started, uh, he was talking with Mitch Kupchak, the, the GM of – uh, Charlotte and, and they were talking about summer league and bringing their guys down. And, you know, they both agreed, like, if we're going to go down and we're going to spend all this time, we're going to bring all these players. We're not going to play them two games. Like we're going to play our guys five games. These guys on, at, on our roster and in our G league program that, you know, we want to see what they can do. We want to determine where they're at in terms of their development, where they're at in terms of, you know, their off season workout regime, what, you know, did we give them to work on and how are they improving in it? Uh, you know, some of these guys you know, on Charlotte's roster, for example, JT Thor, uh, Kai Jones, uh, James Booknight didn't play because he was injured, but, you know, that's another guy that's in that, that same conversation. But the point I'm trying to make is I, I couldn't agree more with that idea of, look, we're going to summer league. These guys are getting an opportunity to play five on five against legitimate equal competition with referees professional referees in the building let's make the most out of this let's use these resources to our advantage you know we're a young team we have guys on our roster that we need to develop 
that need to take leaps if they're going to be players for us, for our franchise down the line, as we try to build out our roster to playoff contenders. And I just couldn't agree with that more. And I think Summer League, you know, not to get on a big rant here, but I think Summer League has gotten away from what it should be. This is a perfect opportunity to play your young guys, get them reps early on in a competitive setting, like they, like Steve Clifford said, against competition that they're going to see down the line, against competition that is equal to where they're at in terms of their own development right now with referees in a, in a game that is going to be organized and competitive. And I absolutely hate, as one of the biggest summer league enthusiasts on the planet, that it has turned into <laughs> playing these guys, playing these prospects, playing these first-year, second-year players, one, two games, and then pulling them out. What in the world is the point of that? You know, so props to the Knicks for playing Quentin Grimes every game and, and Jericho Sims and Miles McBride. Props to the Thunder for doing it right. I mean, Josh Giddy played in both the Salt Lake City Summer League and so did Chet Holgram, and they played games in Vegas. Now, I think Giddy played a combined four or five games. Holmgren played four or five games. You know, they didn't play every game. I think OKC played six or seven games, but they still got a ton of action. And look at what we saw from OKC because of that. Like, we got to see where these guys are. We got to see Josh Giddy, who had his rookie season ended early because of injuries. We got to see what he can do with some of these guys that he's going to be playing big minutes with. I mean, they sent their whole, essentially their whole roster there. And I, I, these teams that are, are using summer league correctly, congratulations. One thing I want to say relating this to the Pistons before uh, I wrap this up, because I doubt anyone really cares about this conversation at the end of the day, but there was this talk about how the Pistons only wanted to play, you know, Killian Hayes. The plan was to only play in one game to give reps to, to Jaden Ivey and Saban Lee and, and these other guards. And and that's fine. But once Jaden Ivey got hurt, once Saban Lee got hurt, why why was Killian Hayes not not on that court? Like he's not like what has he done in his career that's determined, hey, we know this guy is ready to contribute for us uh, as we grow as a franchise. Like this is a guy that still has way too many flaws in his game. And not just to single him out, and not just to single out the piston, because it's something that the majority of the teams at Summer League did was they held out these guys that really could be benefiting from these minutes, giving them directives, giving them, you know, situations that you want to see them play in. And I'm just disappointed that that more teams don't don't value Summer League the way Steve Clifford uh, and, and Mitch Kupchak talked about. I thought that was a really interesting conversation on the Woj Pod that it was probably like, the least important thing that they talked about in retrospect. Just thought that was really, really interesting. And hell, look at what Quentin Grimes has done for himself. Like people are talking about him as the cream of the crop of the Donovan Mitchell trade for Utah if they can get him. And that's, you know, they're talking about wanting him over guys like Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, uh, Cam Reddish. Like now all of a sudden, Quentin Grimes goes out and has the, you know, a great summer league and, and everyone's talking about him and, and he's making a name for himself. He's, making a case for himself to be in the Knicks rotation or to be a piece in, in that trade, the big player piece in that trade for Donovan Mitchell uh, if the Knicks pull off the deal, which it sounds like they're going to. So very long rant, very stupid rant, but I, I think it's important. 
Well, Aaron, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because you're right. I don't think anyone cares that much or certainly not as much as you do. Um, uh, but really, here's how I see it being the difference. I look at a team like, um, like you said, like Charlotte, like the Knicks, um, even OKC to a lesser extent. These are teams that, all right, I'm going to leave OKC out of this conversation just for this second. But I look at like Charlotte, I look at the Knicks. These are teams that are, trying to compete for the playoffs and they really need to see which of their young guys deserve to be in that rotation right off the bat because they don't have very much room for error here they're on the lesser they're on the lower end of the talent in terms of the eastern conference so you brought up a great point with the quentin grimes thing too new york's trying to make a trade for donovan mitchell it behooves them to make quentin grimes look as good as possible even with okc they have so many young pieces. They have so many players that are of kind of similar talent levels that are unknowns that they really need to figure out exactly what they have. That's not true of Holmgren and Giddy. Those guys are going to get their playing time. So maybe that's not a great example. But with the Pistons, there's not really any question marks that are going to be answered in Summer League. I don't see any of these lineups, any of these rotations changing because Killian Hayes played really well in four summer league games. The Pistons are kind of set. Killian Hayes is going to get playing time. Isaiah Stewart is going to get a chance to shoot threes. Um, you know, even Saban Lee, he got hurt. So that's why he played a little bit more because they don't really know still what they have in Saban Lee. They don't really know what they should do with him. That's at least how I look at it for the Pistons. Why play Killian Hayes four games and maybe get him hurt? Why play Isaiah Stewart four games and maybe get him hurt? You're already going to play those guys for a set amount of time this year. They're already going to have very clear roles on this team, regardless of how they play in summer league. Killian Hayes isn't going to play himself into a starting position off a of summer league. It's just not going to happen. And he's also not going to play himself off the roster because of summer league. It's just not going to happen. So I think when I look at it for the Pistons, Versus those other teams, those teams have young players they need to showcase. They have young players that they need to see whether they're going to slot into their rotation or not, if they're ready to win games or not. The Pistons don't have that. So I think for me, that's where I look at it with Summer League, where I can excuse it for the Pistons. Um, although, like you said, though, Oklahoma City, you know, they're, they're kind of an example of a team that's in a similar position and didn't decide to rest all their young guys. So... I understand where you're coming from. I am kind of playing devil's advocate here, but I do think that individual team situations kind of dictate how those young players are going to play and how much they're going to play in summer league. Yeah. And, and that's not my intent either. Like my intent is not, Oh, Killian Hayes needs to play in summer league to determine if he's a starting level player or not. Like that's not my intent, but it's a good checkpoint for, for these teams, especially that missed the playoffs. You know, Detroit's, what halfway into their off season, like it's a good place to kind of check where you're at in terms of where you left from last year to where you're at now halfway through your off season against competition that you're going to be seeing then in a couple months. And we're talking about a week and a half, two weeks worth of games. Like we're not talking about a, a month long, a month and a half long, you know, schedule. Like this is a week and a half of basketball for I guess, but Aaron, what if like Jaden Ivey, instead of twisting his ankle, s sprained his ACL? 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that the Pistons are in a position where they can be <laughs> taking ain't. those kind of risks. That in a workout. You, you I mean, if, I guess. if you're gonna if you're gonna go around not playing guys because there's a potential that they're gonna get hurt, then then you might as well put them in ice until the regular season and then you well, got that's what that's what the pistons did that's what the pistons did ultimately yeah and i just i think that's i think that's silly i think it's silly to be if you're worried about guys getting getting hurt then they, they better not be working out in the offseason because you can get hurt oh, that's not the same i mean what come about on, a game guys playing in and uh you know at chris brickley's gym you know like there's a chance that they can get hurt there too they're playing five on five there too i i, I think I think going around like that, I think that's a, I just think that's a bad mindset to have. Like, I think it's, I think it's a scared mindset, to be honest. Like if you're not willing to play guys, I, I just, I don't know. It's not, again, it's not that big of a deal. Obviously NBA teams don't fully, at least not all of them care about this uh, at the same level as other franchises do. Um, definitely going off topic to end the show. Um, didn't necessarily feel like it was going to go off on a rant like that. But once I started talking, I knew I wasn't going to stop Jasper. I think we should wrap it up before, before we really turn off the listeners, anything else you wanted to, to add before we go here? Uh, forget it, Aaron. It's summer league. Exactly. It's on and it's over and done with. And the Pistons didn't win. So I'm down another 15 grand, right? Uh, those believe paychecks just going straight to MGM. Lucky them. I'm sorry, straight to Bet Online. Straight bad. to our sponsors. Bet straight Online. Straight to Bet Online. Straight to Bet Online. Thank you. <laughs> that's a strike. That's a that's a strike against us. Great. Um, all right, guys. I think that's where we're gonna wrap up this week's show. <laughs> don't don't worry, Aaron. They all turned it off about five minutes ago. We're fine. We're safe. <laughs> well, all right, everyone. Thanks for for listening this week. Shout out to to Believe and our sponsors, Bet Online. Uh, we thank everyone for listening. We'll see you next time here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.